are live. Good evening, citizen. Uh, this episode, we're going to have some fun talking about equipment. There's been some stories come out in the last few days about older equipment. And the first one, I'll, I'll link to all this in the show notes. The first one was a, an article that Larry shared with me from vice.com, which vice is kind of a kind of progressive, kind of left wing website. But the headline is uh, farmers are buying 40 year old tractors because they're actually repairable. John Deere makes it difficult to repair its new tractors without specialized software. So an increasing number of farmers are buying older models. So they, they're, they're telling him this is specifically about John Deere. So, they're, you know, they're saying when a brand new John Deere tractor breaks down, you need a computer to fix it. When a John Deere tractor manufactured in 1979 breaks down, you can repair it yourself or buy another old John Deere tractor. Uh, farming equipment like television, cars, and even toothbrushes now often come saddled with a computer. That computer often comes with digital rights management software that can make simple repairs and expensive pain in the ass. As reported by the Minnesota Star Tribune, farmers have figured out a way around the problem, buying tractors manufactured 40 years ago before the computers took over. Um, so they, you know, they put a little video with it, and, and down near the end of the article, uh, farmers are at the center of right to repair a grassroots consumer movement that says people should have a right, the right to repair their own stuff. When a John Deere tractor breaks down, John Deere requires its owner to take it to an authorized dealer for repairs. Apple wants the same for its iPhones and recently told Congress that people would hurt themselves if they repaired their own stuff. Uh, Democratic presidential candidates Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have both called for national right to repair laws. Um, then there's another article from a different outlet, which is called uh, thedrive.com. Uh, and this, this first sentence, there's a looming issue for many of America's farmers, and it's got nothing to do with climate or trade deals or the EPA. No, what's really starting to hurt is the price of equipment, more specifically large machines like tractors, harvesters, and the like. A new tractor in 2019 can cost as much as a damn house and with DIY fixes often stymied by prepared proprietary. Thank you. Appreciate that. Software and a lack of available parts. Dealer repairs can stretch into the mid five finger five figure range. I'm going to learn to read here at some point. So again, the uh, so as the Minneapolis Star Tribune reports, more farmers are taking a page out of the car enthusiast handbook and seeking out gently used, simpler, and much cheaper tractors from the 1970s and 1980s. And so they go in and they also repeat this right to repair. Now I think there's two issues here. One is, yes, I'm sure there's proprietary software that John Deere has. Because John Deere builds their tractors a specific way. Now, I can tell you that about 100 yards from my house right now sets a Massey Ferguson tractor that was built in 2014. And my brother-in-law last summer, I believe it was, was out brush hogging and it just quit. You know, it just shut off because it has a diesel particulate filter on it. Well, we're not fixing that, you know, so there it's set. In the in, in in the field, and it's not moving, and so the service truck had to come out. The guy had to do this, that, and the other with the computer, and 
um, and, and service this and fix that. So I don't know exactly. I think John Deere's getting hammered on this just because they're the name. I don't know that there's ever been a country song written about a Massey Ferguson. John Deere's the brand, and they seem to be the ones that are being hammered on this particular issue. But So what they're trying to do with this right to repair is to get manufacturers to give up access to their uh, proprietary software proprietary software and their uh i know there's a word for it but um but their codes and their diagnostics and their um give up all of this information so that anybody can work on that equipment now i mean i know enough about cars and trucks that at least in automotive market you've got plenty of aftermarket software that can go in just like the j pro that ta uses you hook a J-Pro up to a truck, it gives you almost everything that a Freightliner computer will give you. So maybe that is different in the world of agriculture and, and farming implements that they don't, there's, they don't have their version of a J-Pro. But y'all, the elephant in the room here that nobody seems to want to talk about is there's a reason that these diesel tractors and farm implements have all of this crazy expensive software on them. It's diesel emissions controls. Uh, there's no way, there's no way that John Deere, Massey Ferguson, Caterpillar are going to come up with this nonsense of their own volition. You know, I, I just can't see the bean counters uh, at these large corporations saying, well, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to spend about a billion dollars developing this software uh, to make these things run this certain. There's no way, absolutely no way. And so this obviously this article caught our eye because that's what we're doing. We are buying trucks. Our preferred models are from 1999 to 2007. The 99 to 03s are really getting hard to find in 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 decent shape. There are some out there, but boy, they're hard to find. Uh, but there's a you know there's pretty good selection of 05, 06, and 07, especially in Freightliner, Columbia's, and Cascadia's. Uh, that, that are out there in the ten to $12,000 range that we can pick up. We can put 10 or 15 in them. We can get them on the road. We can get them legal, roadworthy, efficient, reliable for next to nothing, comparatively speaking, for a tenth of the cost of a brand new truck. And then we can put a driver in these and be incredibly profitable. I just don't understand why, why everybody's so terrified to talk about the real issue because – if if it weren't for these these tyrannical despotic regulations, cars, trucks, tractors, and lawnmowers would probably cost half of what they do now. So it's you know it's just interesting to me that that nobody wants to talk uh, about the the government intervention that's creating this. And I have seen mainly in some Landstar groups. Really, we have not. I've not ever received. A, a, a piece of feedback to this podcast that says, I just can't believe you're running that that junk. Nobody that like listens to us on purpose responds that way. Now, there's a bunch of trolls that will say, um, you know, th- they make fun of us and they they criticize us and they chastise us because we drive old equipment that's not shiny and pretty and it's not polished and 
but I think we should we should talk a little bit, kind of dig into that uh, with this model because it works. You may not want to drive a 2007, and that's fine. I mean, if you want to drive a 17, go get you one. But we're we're operating 06s and 07s, and we've got one 2010. And, I, and I'm not a real big fan of that truck right now. But we do this because it works every time. It doesn't work part of the time. It works every time, every single time. Get a truck, get it roadworthy, get it legal, get it efficient, and it works every single time without fail. So uh, why don't you... Because, I mean, we're circling back here. We've talked about this before, but I and I don't want to belabor the point, but it's such an important point to be made because just last week we got an email from a guy, and I could, I mean, he was hungry for information, and he was wanting to hear what we had to say, but I could hear in his questions that he kind of wasn't getting it. Uh, we've had a couple of those, and so I think we just need to, we need to roll back through this and make sure everybody understands why we're buying these trucks. Go ahead. Well, I mean, there's a couple of obvious reasons, and that is that um, we can make a smaller investment, have a um, have a good, reliable piece of equipment. Um, our customers, which is the primary reason we're here. They don't care whether we show up in a 2001 truck or a 2019 truck. As long as we do what we say we're going to do, when we say we're going to do it, they could care less. Mm-hmm. So it, um, and I, I guess the root of this goes back to some of the very basic things we talked about at the very beginning when you brought me in, and that is that I don't have a emotional connection to trucking you know i could care less what brand we had what year we had none of that matters to me what matters to me is what makes the numbers work and you know just look back at at 2019 a difficult year from a rate standpoint a difficult year in the fact that because of 2018 being so crazy we had excess capacity in 2019 and we had almost a thousand trucking companies that went bankrupt last year. Now I can't document this, but I can I can almost guarantee you that not one of those thousand truck companies went out of business. Went out of business because they were driving older model trucks. So our business model supports that because it's it's reliable. It makes sense. Um, for, you know, farmers are are when you think about a farmer, you think about someone who's practical, good common sense. I mean, those guys are salt of the earth, okay? Their whole existence depends on doing things that produce results but aren't extravagant in cost. And just the fact that they are, you know, basically agreeing with our model that it's better for them to do their personal business in older tractors because new tractors are too expensive and are too expensive to work on. 
and they're too too complicated to work on your, themselves. That's exactly the reason that we don't buy new trucks. Couple that with the idea that it doesn't make any sense to have a cost of doing business that is one hundred and twenty-five, one hundred and fifty thousand versus thirty thousand, forty maybe at the out at the most. You know, when both those right. things do the exact same, provide the exact same service to our customer, allow us to do a lot of maintenance ourselves, or at least get maintenance work done at reasonable prices at places that aren't specialized. You know, uh, you've heard me say it over and over and over again. The reason I choose Freightliner in Detroit is because I don't know how many locations of TEAs and Petros there are. I'm guessing there's a thousand. I don't know. Whatever there is, every one of those is a Freightliner service point. So we can go in there on most occasions and the driver can go, you know, grab a a motel next door and we can have the truck fixed while he's on his 10 hour break and he's back on his way. Now, occasionally that doesn't happen, but if you're driving a new truck where it has to go to Peterbilt or it has to go to Volvo or it has to go to Kenworth or whatever, that's not going to happen. The guy's going to be down for several days. You're going to not have freight. You're going to have drivers that are upset. I mean, we have so few situations where drivers are not able to make money because their truck's down. It's rare. It did not happen on a regular basis whatsoever. So these are all the reasons why we do what we do. Not caring what brand it is, not caring what you know what it looks like for, in terms of how much chrome is on it or whether or not it's got a, a no long hood or whatever. It, it just gives me this outside-looking-in neutral approach where I can I only look at it from the number standpoint and 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 from the from a business standpoint and I mean let's face it if some of these trucking companies that failed last year had looked at things that way they'd probably still be in business you know right um, but I just I can't I just can't imagine running a business and paying hundred fifty thousand dollars per copy for the tool when I can go buy the same tool that does the same job mm-hmm. and, and, and actually cost me less to maintain for what, what'd you say? 10% of that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even, and, and I mean, here's the other thing. And here's the other thing in one year, that truck's going to depre- that new truck's going to depreciate in one year more than that. We pay to get a truck on the road. We, I can sell, we don't, I could sell any one of our trucks two, three, four, five years down the road and get back what I put in it. Zero depreciation, zero depreciation. This doesn't make sense. If you're a businessman, you understand what I'm saying. If right. you're a moron, you don't. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's really what it comes down to. Well, I mean, humans, <clears throat> we, we like to, we love to own our bad decisions and our, and our bad philosophies. You know, I, I mean, it's the I don't know who who owns it, but I've heard Dave Ramsey say it, you know, talking about a baby. You know, yeah, I know it stinks, but it's warm and it's mine, you know. And My stinks. so, I mean, just even now to this John Deere thing, you know, proprietary software. OK, well, our 2010 emissions truck is down right now. Right. And we took it to a TA Freightliner service point. And the guy spent eight hours on it, 900 bucks, couldn't do anything with it. 
So as a $1,400 tow bill later, we just said, all right, we're, not, we're within 150 miles of our D-Truck shop where we have a relationship where I can call the service manager on his cell phone, and he answers. Within an hour and a half, he calls me on Friday, and he says, yeah, we'll be all right. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it Monday. You know, he just – he had the confidence. But, of course, he has access to a whole lot more information than the TA guy does. Now, I'll give the TA guy this. I mean, he was relentless. Hey, he, he was on that truck for, I think, seven and a half hours and never took a break, never never walked away from it. You don't run into that very often. You know, a lot of times they'll throw their hands up. And But this guy was really, really thrashing on his truck trying to come up with an answer. He was calling people. And so I appreciate all the effort that he put into it, but it was 900 bucks wasted. And so with the tow bills to get it off the road and to get it to the shop, we're $3,000 in this truck and ain't got nothing done yet. Uh, we will, you know, our, they'll, they'll probably have it fixed Monday, uh, Tuesday at the latest. But I don't enjoy spending that money. And I would rather us come up with a way to prevent that in some way or avoid that. But that's one truck payment, y'all. Well, you know, I looked, that, I, that, that we got that truck last year. And we've probably talked about it. It was a, a unique situation. We had a, a driver that just didn't have the money to keep putting into it. And I look, I just looked at the records, okay? We still have less money in that truck. Everything we've done, I mean, we put time, we've done everything to that truck as far as getting it modified to our um, way of doing business. You know, we've changed all the tires out and everything. We, we still have less in that truck. We've had it for a year now, okay? Somebody drove it all last year and made $70,000 or $80,000, okay? Um, you know, I made, you know, half that last year. We still have less than that, less than the truck's worth. We, we, we could sell the truck right now for, for more than what we got into it, even with, even with what you're talking about right now. Yeah. We're still under what the market value of that truck is. Again, when you're paying $10,000, thousand fifteen thousand dollars or less for a truck you can absorb this kind of thing because you know you're 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 not you you haven't spent so much for the truck that you can't afford to keep it on the road you know it's like the people that go out and buy a house and they spend all of their budget on the house and you drive by your letter still ain't got curtains in the windows okay there's no bushes outside uh the car there's no car in a driveway because they can't they've spent everything they can on the house. Mm-hmm. Now they can't enjoy the house because they can't afford to do anything to the house. Well, if you're starting out in the trucking business and you spend all of your not not just the money you have, but all the if you can't afford to maintain your truck because your truck payment, what, what kind of business is that? You know? So I mean we we first of all paid cash for the truck. Second of all, all of that expense last year still would we would have we would have paid two or three times that if we'd bought that truck new because we don't have any money in it this these occasional breakdowns aren't an issue i mean i don't yeah i don't know how more to say it I mean, and it's it's the most <clears throat> expensive truck in our fleet to work on it is by you far know? by far <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's our experiment, right? It's not what we are going to recommend that you buy. We'll never buy another one. 
we just got this so cheap that I couldn't, I mean, I, I could, I could have sold it the next day and tripled my money, you know? Yeah. So I thought, and we bailed out a, 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 a good person and, and, you know, gave the person a job and it was, it was, a, it was a win, win, win situation, you know, but looking back, I mean, well, now that we know, I mean, not looking back, I mean, I would have still done it because it, yeah. again, it was, it was a good for everybody involved, but we now know that, Cascade is not going to be in our future because they're too expensive to work on. You know, mm. we can get yeah. centuries and Columbia's that are much simpler to work on. And we don't have these issues. And the, the TA would have fixed that truck that night. Oh yeah. Would not have had to tow it down to Detroit. Yeah. So, but anyway, we're, we're learning the lessons so we can teach you by, by like, like Chris said, by 99 to 2007 Columbia century. Okay, with a Detroit Series 60 engine. That's the lowest cost, highest reliability, lowest maintenance entry you're going to have into this business and pay cash for it. I'm sure it's hard for some people, I'm sure, to grasp what I'm about to say because I'm mechanically inclined. You know, I can turn wrenches. But, y'all, these trucks are so simple. I've learned more. I mean, I learned a lot when I had my truck. It was a century. I learned a lot, but I've learned so much now as we've bought these trucks and and being connected with a good mechanic, like the one that was out here in my driveway till two o'clock this morning in the freezing cold. You can learn so much along the way that there's really, I, I don't know of a single special tool unless it's something for the engine specifically. I don't know that there's a special tool of any kind you have to have to work on this truck. A T25 Torx bit, some screwdrivers, and a socket set. And you can just about fix anything on one of these Century Columbias. They're so simple, you know? And, and we can buy all the parts for it online for 50% of what the dealer charges. Oh, yeah. There's nothing for that truck we can't buy online, you know? Get stuff nothing. on Amazon, eBay. So many different places to to, for to half, get stuff for yeah. half. Well, to be fair, half of what the truck stop charges, and a little less than what a good. We got a pretty decent Freightliner dealer around here, and they their prices are not they're not exorbitant. Well, now that, that's you know, but that, well, we've developed that relationship. If you go to Freightliner and you've never walked in there before, <laughs> yeah. they're not they're going to give you the first column price. Okay, yeah. now we're a fleet. We're a fleet that helps. Yeah. You know, we're with Landstar. That helps because we get to use their. And then in your case, where we've developed this relationship with this, we're kind of almost family pricing there. You know, yeah, that, you know, we, everybody's not going to get that. You know, believe right. me, when I if I walk into Freightliner down in Laredo, Texas, I promise you we'd be paying sticker. OK, maybe plus 10 percent because I think, you know, a Blano. <laughs> you work on your Spanish. It's just a matter of, do you want the greatest, it's a a choice, it comes down to a choice. Do you want the greatest chance of success and the least amount of risk, or do you want to look good to people that you probably wouldn't like if you knew them? I'm a, look, I'm a boy. I I like cars. I, I, I get it. I I would like, I, I wouldn't be upset to drive a nice, pretty, shiny truck. That wouldn't make me unhappy. 
but I'm not willing to trade the security of having a, a truck that that almost anybody can fix for the sake of the style or, you know, I mean, cause you can make a, a century. I mean, you can put a nice seat in it and you can put a steering wheel wrap on it and you can make it comfortable. That that's, that's pretty simple. And again, you can do that a whole lot cheaper than you can go buy a $150,000 truck. Um, and you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's true of aerodynamic Peterbilt's, you know, I, I see a lot of the, um, I think they have a name for them, but the the line of of Peterbilt and Kenworth that are like the T680 and the uh, I don't even know all the numbers now. Back in the day, it was a Kenworth T2000 and a I think a Pete 387. Those are the aerodynamic models of Pete and Kenworth, and they probably are a little more refined than well, there ain't no doubt about it. They are more refined. They are they they do have better creature comfort. They do ride better. They well, probably let me, are let me say engineered something. a little better. Let me better. say something about that. If you're look, if you're buying a truck for you and your wife to 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 go, you know, if in in, in travel the country and, and and try to make money trucking, and you need that, you know, you need that that creature thing. I, I get that, but still, you don't have to buy a new one. You can right. buy one that's ten years old. You know, so right. spend one hundred fifty thousand for it. Spend fifty thousand for it. Okay. Now again, I'm not going to tell you to do that. This, if this is your first truck, okay, I'm never going to tell you to do this. But if you already got a truck and maybe you've got money in the bank, you know, uh, I'm not against you. But here's our situation: we put drivers in trucks, okay? None of us are are taking our wives, and we're not retiring. It's not a motorhome that we make money with, okay? Right. It's a right. business that we make money with, all right? The people we hire want to make the most money they can possibly make, all right? Uh, the reason that we can pay our drivers what we pay them is because we keep our costs low. You see, here's what pisses me off about truck drivers. They hate money. They prove it every day. Right. Follow one around. They hate money because all they do is spend it. That's all. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't have to give you all the examples of what money drivers spend money on, but – why not keep what's wrong with saving money? What's wrong with having money in the bank and driving a I don't want to say shitty truck, but I mean, and look, the the truck that I bought, you know, before I knew what I was doing, but still out there. When that truck pulls up to a a, 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 a fuel stop and it's been through the truck wash, I've had many people come by, ask me about it. And, and I tell them what year it is and they're surprised. That it looks that good for an 07 truck. So just because it's an 07 doesn't mean it has to look like it came out of a junkyard. Right. You know, you can paint a truck for $4,500. All right. If you if you go pay 10 grand for it and you and you put another 10 grand in it and you and, and you've got the money, okay, go take and paint it. You know, it, it, you're you're not throwing your money away because. That truck is never going to depreciate beyond what you've put in it, okay? Even right. if you put a motor in it for the next couple of years, it's still not going to depreciate. First of all, if you keep it, that motor's going to last you a million miles, okay? Even if the truck were wrecked in a year later, the insurance company will pay you for that motor because of the improvement you did to it. So it, there's, there's absolutely zero reason to not buy an older truck. 
and spend the money to fix it up. But the caveat here is pay cash for it. You know, pay cash for it. Um, it doesn't do you any good to go into business for yourself and go borrow the money and get thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars in a truck that you have a payment on that you haven't helped yourself there. Stay as a company driver, save the money, then go get them. Then when you've got when you've got twenty, thirty grand in the in the bank, go buy a truck. Um, do what you need to do to, to to make it, you know, safe and 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 roadworthy. And go make money. The good thing about this business is you can make money on. It's, you know, it's not like opening a store where you've got to go advertise to get customers. Right. The day you buy a truck tomorrow, you make money. Okay. Yeah. It's just that simple. We the business is there. All right. There's no wait between the time you get your truck and the time you start making money. There's zero wait. You know, you all load tomorrow. I mean, you might have to wait to get settled, depending on where you yeah. work. But still, you made that money. You could you could advance on that settlement. The next day, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but yeah, it's, uh, well, it, it, I was I was talking to my uh, my niece. We had a surprise 80th birthday party for my dad, and and so she whipped up a bunch of stuff. And they they have a uh, a little restaurant. Started out as a cookie shop called Moonlight Cookies, and they would they would feed stoners and nurses and doctors. Uh, they would they would make and deliver fresh cookies from like 10 at night to like three in the morning. And then they got a little space and then they changed and started adding stuff to the menu. It's amazing food. And so she and I are chatting back and forth and we're so spoiled in this industry because it's so easy to get revenue. You know, she's talking about how her and Anna go in and worked all day and made $15. You know, I mean, they, the, the, the shop was open all day. And they made 15 bucks because that was the only people that walked through the door, you know, and here it, it is so absurdly easy to get four, five, six thousand dollars a week cash money, pay your expenses out of that. But we're so spoiled because it's literally so easy. Find a load, put it in the trailer, deliver it, get paid, find a load, but, you know. Let me interrupt you for a second, because you just you made me remember something. Another way I can prove that truck drivers hate money. <laughs> Get behind one of them and see how fast they drive. Oh, okay? yeah. All right? Look and see how much – look, see where they fuel, okay? Oh, yeah. All the things that we do to improve the fuel mileage in our truck, most people won't do that, mm. okay? Either they don't understand it, don't believe it, don't think it matters – Okay, because fuel is only I, it does, fuel is going to be your number one expense. Okay, even even if you even if you can afford to pay an extra five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars a year for fuel, why would you do it? Why why would you voluntarily give five thousand dollars more to Pilot Flying J instead of yourself? But that's what you do mm-hmm. when you drive faster than you need to drive. Or you buy the wrong tires because you want the cheap ones because you can't afford to buy the ones that give you better fuel mileage. And you don't understand the fact that every day that tire runs, it costs you money. The cost that you pay to get them mounted is not the cost of the tire. Why would you not have a fuel purchasing strategy? Why would you just buy fuel anywhere? 
Because you hate money. That's why. Mm-hmm. You hate money. You'd rather just do it the easy way than do it the smart way. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. And there's proof. I'm glad that most of the time for us that TA and Petro's the cheapest fuel because I prefer their setup, you know, restaurant, shower, parking lot. I prefer, I just personal preference, prefer that over Pilot Flying J and Loves. But I am not under any circumstances going to pay 10 cents more for a gallon of diesel at Pilot, or I mean at Petro and TA, um, because it's my personal preference of a of, of place to stop. You know, What's worse just, than that? They don't, there's not, most guys have no idea what fuel costs. Okay. They buy fuel when they, when, when the gauge says buy fuel. Yeah. Okay. Forget that they've passed 13 places today that they could have bought fuel cheaper than where they end up buying it because mm-hmm. they didn't even bother to look. Okay. Right. It's one thing to have a preference, but my preference would change with the price. You know, I yeah. was getting ready to, I was, we have, you know, I, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but we had a driver, one of our drivers this week bought fuel way out of system, way out of network. Now he didn't buy a lot. And I, at first I thought, that's really weird. You know, well, I got to look at, and that was the cheapest fuel he bought all week. You know, he found that on the app and mm-hmm. there was no rebate. There was no, there was no, there was no, um, Landstar discount that was taken off of it. But the cost of the fuel was lower than the cost of fuel we've been buying with the rebate at other places. So at first I thought it was a mistake. Then I realized, no, he had looked at the, at the app and picked that place, you mm-hmm. know, to fuel up. Um, and it was, it was some fuel stop. I mean, it wasn't even a truck stop. It was a fuel stop only, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, now I commend him. I mean, you know, the guy bought the best fuel he could have bought. That was the cheapest fuel he bought all week, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how many people don't do that? How many people have no idea that there's a 50 cents difference in fuel from one corner of a, of an exit to the other because they don't bother to look? And then, 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 then I, then I want to, then, then they want to get on Facebook and tell me how you can't make any money in this business. You know, it's, it's impossible to drive a truck and make money. Yeah. And that, that over dramatization of their, of their victimhood, you know, it's just so, well, I mean, I remember this was probably 16, 17 years ago, and a, a guy that we're friends, and um, he and his wife had bought a, went and bought a Peterbilt, and I think they leased it onto one of those, uh, like Ford Air or something like that. And I, I said, me, I said, what are you doing? You can't make money as an owner operator. I said that out loud, you know? And it was just, it was pure ignorance. And maybe that's part of it is, is, is one, especially in America, once, once you, you know, pick a team or you uh, adopt some philosophy, you know, you'll hold on to it for dear life and, and do anything you can 
to defend it and never question it because you don't want to be ostracized. You don't want to be considered outside of the, the, the cool kids, you know? Um, but y'all I've, 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 I've thought and believed a lot of really stupid stuff in my life and was, and was passionately stupid. You know, I was passionately wrong, you know, just being willing to, to look at things in a different light. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, it would be nice if we could go back to the, the good old days when you could go to a dealership and order anything you wanted. Man, you could you could just you could you could spec these trucks in any way you wanted. And um, and, and they would run two or three or four or five million miles with without many problems if you maintained them. And unfortunately, uh, those days are over. Uh, I wish they weren't, but th- that's where we're at. And it, these trucks that we have in our fleet right now, with the exception of the Cascadia, I mean, as long as the frame don't break, I, I mean, as, as long as the frame is intact, everything else is serviceable. Everything. Yep. yep. There's very little things on a truck you can't fix, you know, which is kind of why. You know, when we look for trucks, I don't I don't worry too much about the motor because we know exactly what it costs to fix the motor. I get more concerned about how it was treated, you know, the, all the other stuff, you know. Yeah. I'd rather buy a truck knowing it needs a motor than buy one that somebody else has already fixed the motor. Uh, yeah. Because we don't have yeah. any idea what they've done to it, you know. Yeah. And what kind of parts they use and all that sort of stuff. So. And I never, you know, until we started working on some of these trucks, and I think it started with your truck. I never dreamed what a difference motor mounts make, oh, you know, yeah. a, a relatively simple, I mean, it's a big job, but a relatively simple fix can completely change the personality of a truck. Yeah. And it's just, of course, it's like the, it, what is it? The, the frog in the, in the boiling water, they get progressively worse over time and you don't realize until maybe you get in a different truck, a different and truck. Yeah. You get back in yours and you're like, wow, this is, and <laughs> then you put, you know, kind of like, like the steering gear on my truck. Y'all <laughs> listen, I want to tell y'all something. Okay. <laughs> I had never driven the metrosexual and he's going to put me in it for some reason. And he says so nonchalantly, um, let me know what you think of that that steering. I'm like, okay, y'all. I I mean, I was driving down the road like it, it was it was it to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. That steering gear was so it was war slap out. And uh, I mean, it, I worked so hard driving that truck for a week. Of course, he he got used to it. You know, all those thousands of miles going to Ohio to Texas and back, and he just got used to it. And I was bobtail. I'm I mean, I bobtailed that thing. And that I was all over the road. And I thought, God, how in the world did you hold that thing in the road? And the first thing I did was order the steering box and had that put on the next weekend. Because, God almighty, what a handful. I got back in about a week later. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was driving a new truck. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Oh, that was, you know. And, of course, you know, the, the we, working on one of the trucks now. And driver gets out of it and i get in it and it just drives like crap it's pulling to the right and it's running the steer tires off of it and he never said a word you know but i just either a he doesn't like understand 
or it just started getting worse a little bit at a time. And he just didn't realize it because he never said, hey, man, this truck truck drives like crap now. You know, and I get in it and I'm I'm, I've got an eighth of a turn to the left just to hold it straight. Um, You know, that's I don't know. Get somebody else to drive your truck every once in a while or something, you know, to to get you out of that, um, uh, you know, to to recognize some of those noises because your truck will tell you when it's got a problem. You just have to be paying attention and you have to listen. Um, and th- this truck we just bought, we just got out of the shop, had to put a clutch in it. We went ahead and put motor mounts and a new exhaust. And, um, it was, I mean, it sounded, the clutch in this truck was so bad, it didn't slip, but all the springs were coming apart. And so when you'd let off the throttle, it sounded like the jake brake was on, you know, Larry bought it, drove it for the first time. He's like, oh, it's, it sounds like the jake brake's on. And then I started driving it, and you'd let off the gas, and it would make its god-awful noise, and turn out it was just a clutch pad. So we put a clutch in it, and motor mounts in it, and y'all, it's a it's a dream to drive this truck now. It's quiet, and it's smooth, and it rides, you know, what such a difference a, a relatively small change can make. But you can do that stuff, because, um, I mean, let's think about this. I see a lot of guys, they'll say, well, I'm going to buy... A truck that's got four or five, six hundred thousand miles on it, and I'm going to pay anywhere from thirty-five to fifty-five thousand dollars for that truck. Okay, your motor mounts are wore out. At half a million miles, your motor mounts are probably wore out. Your spring bushings are probably wore out. Your kingpins are getting close to being worn out. Balancer. Yeah, your yeah your your damper balancer is uh, on the crankshaft is worn out. There's all the bushings. $10,000 right there to make that truck right, to, to get it um, to where it's not going to destroy your tires, to where it's it's not going to vibrate your, your fillings out of your teeth. Um, well, you're paying 55 and we're paying 10 and we can put $10,000 into a truck and do all this little stuff that I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure the guy that we bought that truck off of, uh, whether or not he knew that clutch was bad and making that noise, he wasn't going to spend that money. He sold the truck, you know, and went and bought something else. He bought a Peterbilt. And, he bought a new Peterbilt. He, I bought the truck from him. We met at my bank. I wrote him a check. He, he left my bank with, he, with cash in his hand and was driving to the Peterbilt dealership to buy a new truck. $130,000. I bought his and, truck for $10,000. Okay. We have exactly... 20,000 in it right now, including the, what you just did that we put all new tires on it and wheels. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the work you've done and we've got exactly $20,000 in that truck. As we speak, you're driving it right now. What mm-hmm. else does it need? Good to go. Right. Needs a rear heater core. That's it. You know, so we're and 21 some, and 21 some, grand some in plastic, this truck. I got to put some plastic dash pieces in it, you know, just little nitpicky stuff. I'm, I'm going to change a couple switches and, uh, you know, a mirror, you know, he's got, <laughs> I got to get a picture of this. I, the right side, the, or the driver's side mirror kind of shakes, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a piece of folded up paper stuffed on the top of the mirror inside the housing, which we assumed was just to keep it from moving. <laughs> Something caught my eye and I looked and there's one of those red shop rags st- 
stuffed in behind the, <laughs> the, 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 the mirror glass to help hold it. Y'all, and it's the actuator for the, that goes the up and down is broken, right? Y'all, that's a $20 part. It's a $20 part and maybe a 30 minute repair. I mean, 75 bucks, but we, we've got folded up paper and a shop rag stuffed in behind it. But to get back to my point, $21,000, that truck's going to have a driver in about a week, okay? Mm -hmm. Driver's going to make, what, $1,400, a week? Yeah. I'm going to make $900 to $1,000 a week, you know? And we got twenty grand in that truck. Yeah. And and in 20 weeks, give or take, it's completely paid for. Yeah. So now go out here and buy yourself a new truck. Go spend 70, 80 grand for a truck and we'll haul the same freight you do and look at my bottom line, look at your bottom line, which one of you, and if 2020 is as shitty as 2019 was, which of us is still going to be in business at the end of the year? You know, yeah. who's going to be out bad mouthing the trucking industry, but hey, can't make any money. And it Guys, we, we give, we look, I, uh, I'm going to brag on Chris a little bit. he, he was the guest on another on a on a YouTube um, thing this week with some guy named Boogie, and um, I mean he was it was it was really really good. If you if Chris tell them how to find it because they need to listen to it. I'll I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So, L L Boogie on YouTube, but I'll, I'll put you a link in there. But anyway, and and L Boogie was questioning Chris about us giving away our game he said you give this a game away every time y'all talk and bottom line is we do every week or however often we can do these we tell everybody that wants to listen exactly how we do what we're doing okay and it's amazing how people still think that we're lunatics you know that we don't have any freaking idea what we're talking about you know and that uh you know but i i can sit here and tell you we we're not going out of business you know um, matter of fact, we're not shrinking. We're growing. We're going to double the size of our fleet in 2020. How many yeah. other fleets are saying that? You know, read read the read the the, the trade journals. Let yeah. me know what. Let me know how that looks for you. you know? Well, I thought about something too when you're talking <clears throat> about the customers, right? So I I run a I run a dedicated. One of my runs every week is dedicated, so I go to a lot of the same customers. And by okay. the way, I'm going to bust your ass for that, because you told this boogie guy that you hated doing dedicated freight. No, I do. And I, do I, I did. And I was the only one like doing dedicated freight. Well, and I thought to myself, that son of a bitch is doing dedicated freight. I, yeah, but it's not not dedicated the way the way you, you do it. I, I still Semantics. Get, yeah, well. Semantics. Um, but what, I, what made me think of that was – so over the last, uh, well, since I started here in March of 18, uh, we've had a total of six trucks in our fleet. I've driven every one of them, all of them, right? Yes. So I have gone into these customers in all six of these trucks, and nobody has ever, not one time, and I've kind of wondered, not one time has everybody said, um, well, you drive a lot of different trucks. You know, nobody's ever like mentioned or even I'm sure they've noticed that, you know, I pull in and one week my truck's blue and the next week it's white and then it's black and then it's green. But I'm the common denominator, you know, 
as long as I show up, everything's okay. Um, but it, it just doesn't matter uh, what truck I'm driving. Well, and you know? two, I mean, let's face it. They see the back of the trailer. You know, right. most of your customers don't have any idea what truck you're driving. I mean, most customers don't have any idea what you're driving. They are uh, only seeing the back of your trailer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mo- most of mine are, are small little uh, contractor places, so they do see me. You know, they, they look out the front window, and, and here he comes. The trailer's always the same. But it's just, but it's such a great point that, in that respect, the driver's a lot more important than the than the brand or or the year model of the truck you know why 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 so only, that the only person that matters to you the only, only person that matters is you that's exactly yeah. right that's exactly so you got to decide whether you, your ego is worth more than your wallet that's what it comes down to and like i say i maintain that most truck drivers hate money so that answers that question right there okay talk about your truck give me all those billy big rig stories at the liar's counter Show me your bank statement, okay? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because they'll—I mean—they'll fight you to the death, uh, you know, over the carrier you're leased to, or if you're leased, or if you've got your own authority. Um, all this stuff—it don't matter. It just doesn't matter. What matters is what you do for the customer, and how well you do it for the customer, and how many customers you can get. That's all that matters. You know, it was a guy in a um landstar group uh that was whining about third party shippers or third party freight you know well now this is the same guy okay he's whining in this post because landstar agents don't have enough direct freight and this is the same guy two or three months ago that wanted landstar to force the agents like the agent that has my load same every week well, those ought to be posted. You shouldn't be able to use the same BCO every week. I'm like, hey, buddy, I earned that relationship. And if you try to take it away from me, that's stealing. That makes you a thief. And I don't like thieves. I earned that business. You can't have it. You can't take it away from me. So the I don't but, care. But Chris, he bought a truck. He's entitled. Okay. Yeah. He's a truck driver. He's entitled to $3 a mile. He's entitled to not ever have a detention, never have a bad load. He's entitled because he spent the money to buy a truck. What we say last week about, what was my quote? In trucking, we have capacity and no oh, competition. Yeah. It's a perfect Lots example. of capacity and very little competition. He's a perfect yeah. example. I put that quote in a in a in a Landstar group, and I'm sure you can imagine how well it went over. Uh, I just I, I look. I don't. As long as the bill is paid, I don't care who's paying the bill. You know. So if it's C H Robinson or it's J B Hunt or it's Landstar or it's X P O, I, I couldn't. I could not care less who booked the freight. Would it you know be nice if if more of them were Landstar direct customers. I guess. I, I mean, but there's no discernible difference. Once once the doors are closed and it's delivered, and I get paid what I get paid, regardless of who's. Well, you know, here's what here's what here's my take on that. We have got good relationships with 
enough agents that I don't I don't tell them how to do their business. If 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 they if they've got the relationship with these third party brokers to get that freight, and that's what they want to do, I, I I can't question how they do their business. They're independent business people just like we are. You know, I'm not going to tell Landstar to tell the agents, hey, don't bring any third party freight on here because that's not my business. Number one, you know, it. I don't. If it weren't for the rate con, I wouldn't know where the freight came from anyway. If the rate's on the load board and I, I take it for what the load board says, why do I care where the where the freight came from? Okay. Yeah, now, no. if you're just working off the load board and you're having to work with agents that you've never worked with before, and you don't know that you're dealing with a quality individual, that's a whole different situation. But my my suggestion to the guys like that is get yourself a handful of agents and develop a relationship with them, and don't worry about where the freight comes from. The agent now becomes your ally you know not the broker Mm -hmm. right right yeah and i mean what i have done for the majority of my time at landstar is to have one one relationship that pays most of my of my revenue and then i can sprinkle stuff in around that you know but i have what you sprinkle around is is it's the same agents over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's always now, be nice if that one would give it to you without you having to go to the low board, but for some reason we can't get them to do that. But anyway, yeah. it's the same one every week. So we still have the relationship, you know. But I don't know. You, it, look, you, it, 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 we said so we told we beat this to death. You know, yeah. you just, you cannot, you, you can only control you. That's it. You know, you cannot, yep. you know, help what goes on. Uh, in the industry with, uh, besides what you deal with on a daily basis, do your job, let everybody else do theirs. You know, trucking's not a travel agency. Things are going to break down. Things are going to happen. Loads are going to get canceled. That's part of it. Okay. Um, if you're having more than your share of that, I'd say you're having something to do with it, you know? So, yeah. all right, well, that's a good place to shut it down. If y'all have questions, Send us an email, Chris at Blue Ribbon Logistics.com, Larry at Blue Ribbon Logistics.com. We're on Facebook at Blue Ribbon Logistics. We're also on YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel and give us a subscribe and a like. And until next time, everybody be safe. We'll talk to you later. Good day.